Hey, Mark Wilson, congratulations. You're going to see Fucked Up at the Gasometer Hotel in Melbourne on October the 9th. Thanks to our good friends at Frontier Touring. Thanks to you and to everybody else for entering the competition. And if you didn't win, don't worry. There are still tickets available for all the shows. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Make sure you catch Fucked Up at Yours and Else Festival in Wollongong on October the 6th. The Gasometer Hotel in Melbourne on October the 9th. Oxford Art Factory in Sydney on October 10th. And Crowbar in Brisbane on October 12th. Get amongst it. This episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands was recorded and edited on the land of the Tharawal people. We pay our respects to elders past and present, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Enjoy this week's episode. everybody it's david jim chung here for another week of all my friends are in bar bands today is episode 140 holy shit what a sick milestone i'm so so stoked uh, that we got here and yeah i could not be happier to be sharing today's guest with you this is a dream dream guest for me uh dream guests i should say uh today's guests are carnival we got Kenny, the band's lead vocalist, and John, the band's bass player. Uh, while they were in town on tour, uh, doing a big national run back in June. Anyone who knows me knows that Carnival are one of my favourite bands. I've seen them nine times. I've been listening to them for about 15 years now. Uh, yeah, I just am so enamoured with uh, what they do, uh, their abilities as a live band... Uh, the way that they have shaped uh, the current state of modern Australian metal and heavy music in particular. Uh, Yeah, there's just no band quite like them. And uh, yeah, to get to talk to them about everything that the band has gone through over the years, as well as Kenny's uh, extracurricular activities with his other little band called Birds of Tokyo, you might have heard of, uh, who are currently on tour, funnily enough. Yeah, to get to talk to those guys about all of that sort of stuff was really, really, really cool. Uh, We go pretty deep on this one, right back to the very, very early days. And uh, yeah, all the the craziness that uh, kicked off in the 2000s. Bit of nostalgia in there for good times sake. And uh, yeah, it's it's a really, really good episode. I'm really happy with how this one turned out. I want to give a big thank you to Beck over at Deathproof PR and everyone indeed at Deathproof PR for helping to set this one up and make this one happen. Also a big thank you to Mr. Adam Buncher as always for doing a brilliant job on the sound and a huge thank you to Kenny and to John for getting involved, having a chat, and sharing their story. I'm so stoked on this one. I can't wait for you to hear it. So, I won't leave you that much longer. Just a reminder, as always, if you like what you're hearing, it would mean the world if you could 
rate and review this podcast five stars please over on apple Podcasts. don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from we are on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher google Podcasts. wherever you get your podcasts from you will be able to find us i guarantee it and if you have any friends that might be interested in what we're doing over here be sure to send them our way. That would mean the absolute world. And if you have a bit of extra money lying around and you would like to support this podcast, then you can do so by heading over to Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can support me and this podcast and all of my creative endeavors. Go to Patreon dot com slash david james young to find out more p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash david james young in the meantime if you want to get in touch you can do so by emailing me at barbandspod at gmail dot com b-a-r-b-a-n-d-s-p-o-d at gmail dot com if you want to talk advertising if you want to talk uh, pitching a guest if you want to give a bit of feedback about an episode uh, anything at all That is the destination to hit me up. I would love to hear from you. And I think that's about it. (laughs) Let's get into it right now. This is my chat with Kenny and with John from Carnival. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friends, Carnival. Hello. Hello. Please, introduce yourselves. Hey, I'm Kenny from Carnival. Hey, I'm John from Carnival. That's wonderful. I'm not from Carnival, so I, it, this is a kind of disadvantage in <laughs> <Yeah>. to me. <laughs> well, I don't know, that's debatable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's debatable. Very debatable. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sunday afternoon, we're in Wollongong, and uh, Carnival have uh, returned once again. They, they said it would never happen, but here we are. I don't know who said it, but, uh, you know, the rumour mill, Crazy. constant constant motion. Crazier things have happened. Indeed, indeed yeah. they have. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys remember the first time you played here? I don't know if I remember the first time, but... At this venue in particular, I think I did. This city in particular? This yeah, yeah, I mean... Wollongong? I think... It, this was one of the first places that... It was definitely a uni bar back in the day. Remember we did with Any Static? Oh, yeah. wow, that's a name I haven't known in a while. Yeah. yeah. That was probably one of the first... That would have been, like, like mid-2000s. Did you do that run with Cog and In the Grey in, like, 2005? Yeah, we opened. Yeah. I think they, you might have done it, like, a, like a, about 15, 20 minutes down the road. The old yellow wool shed. I think we did. That was that's, it. That's, that's why we couldn't remember it. That's it. <laughs> and that would have been around probably upon Thermata's release because that yes. came out September 2005. Yeah, and that was that's right. 2005 was also the new normal. Yeah, so there you go. That, what a that, year. That, that would have been that. That would have been that tour. Yeah. yeah. A lot of shit happening that year. That's yeah. a, that was a pretty important tour for us. Actually, that kind of opened up the rest of the country for us on a yeah. on a touring front. We'd only done a couple of spot shows on the east coast from Perth. Yeah, and right. Getting on that tour within the Grey and Cobb got us access to the rest of the east coast and whatnot. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. then we followed that tour with a Sunk Lodo support. I remember. Yeah. Oh wow. 
has that record. You go through some of those old yes. posters, it's like right. a graveyard, isn't it? You see some of those old bands, you're just like, what the fuck happened there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was a great record. Too. Between Birth and Death. Yeah, that's the one. Now you've got me oh. thinking about that. That Sunk Lotto record. Fucking awesome. Yeah. God damn. And then, they, and then they just kind of hit that and went, well, fucking beat that and then go, okay, now we're done. Yeah. We're done. All right, see ya. <laughs> fuck you guys. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. That. <laughs> that, that would be one great reunion. I'd love to see. Yeah, yeah. yeah some sick. some bands are just happy with the one and done, and I, I respect that. You know? mm. <laughs> and they were they sort of did a couple. They did the EP right the, with uh, Lift on it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and then the Big Picture Lies. Yeah. And then that one. That's some good I shit. Think that's it. That's some good times. Good mm. times to be had. It's just it's just amazing how young they were when they started. Yeah. They were like a In nappies. Yeah, they were like Little the yeah, they were like the uh, the dark cousins of Silverchair, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's always crazy to think like when you look at some of those guys like Daniel Jones or Ben Lee or whatever. It's just like, oh wait, you're that age now. Yeah, <laughs> so you're just like subtracting like twenty years, and you're like, holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking been, huge. Literally been raised by the music industry, right? To a that, degree, yeah. Oh, from, boy, yeah. from formative time. Very formative indeed. Good grief. Formative. <laughs> <laughs> so, I begin these by tracing back the initial interest in music, specifically where it changed from being something that maybe you were watching on TV, listening to on the radio, etc., to something clicking where it's just like, this is what I want to do, I want to, you know, I want to sing, I want to play an instrument, I want to be in a band, I want to be a musician, that sort of thing. Um, Kenny, uh, we'll start with you. Can you tell us a bit about how music kind of factored into your childhood and your upbringing, etc., and if there was any kind of switch-on moment for you? There was always music in the house at home. My mum is a pretty sort of active music listener and muso herself, and her side of the family are all players and singers in their own right. Rage is, is one of the first things that just springs to mind. I remember watching Rage and not really understanding too much about it being very young and then sort of, I don't know, fast forward a few years and then the whole kind of alt grunge movement hit me pretty hard and then alt rock after that and then heavy rock and heavy metal to follow and then a whole bunch of shit. So uh, once that sort of landed on me, uh, I took to music and fell in love with the whole thing and so I wanted to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be a part of that and yeah. And here you are. And here we are. (laughs) Joe, what about you? Yeah, it's a, I was just thinking back to the beginning of that I can remember. Yeah, yeah. Of my time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess my, my parents' record collection was obviously a, a good starting point. But another point was Santa's sack that, okay. I, that I used to get filled, you know, for Christmas. And <laughs> like there, there was quite a diverse range of cassettes that passed through that from Wham to... John Williamson to Poison to Warrant. That's some good stuff. stuff yeah. like, open up and say ah. Yeah, open up oh, and say ah. Good was that record? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All about it. Yeah. And Rage seeing the, the film clip for that and pumping my cricket bat when he was like pumping the mic stand. Fuck yes. And yeah. And yeah, that sort of time. And then I like I, I play piano, I guess, as well. My my mother played piano, so I. So did you get piano lessons? Yeah. Did yeah. you hate piano lessons? A little. <laughs> But, but I really, everyone them. that has come on this podcast and like has mentioned doing piano lessons, like they're like four or five, and they're just like, I fucking hate this. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, I wanted to get them, but I just really? didn't, I just didn't like practicing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really like regimes of you know that, that aren't my own. I've, I've decided yeah. because and they're, and they're very hard to, to follow around that age. Yeah, like mm. you just naturally revolt against something like that. Oh, big time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, but, yeah. You know. 
uh, when I started playing guitar when I was 13, I, I didn't have lessons and I, I was sort of self-motivated to play and I, yeah. I practiced like sometimes six hours a day because I, but without trying, like that's just what it ended up being. It wasn't like I had to practice. I think that was a big difference, point yeah. of difference anyway. And I was in Kalgoorlie, year eight, not a lot of homework, not a lot to do, so I had a lot of time on my hands right? Yeah, yeah as well. Yeah. Did you two grow up in similar sort of areas? Like, whereabouts were the two of you growing up? Oh, no. We, no, not... Uh, you were born in Ireland. Yeah, well, I was like, yeah, I, I, my folks migrated here in 85. Right. When I was quite young. Um, and I went to school... So were you born in Ireland? Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you moved to Perth? or what did you Yeah, to... from Ireland to Perth. Right, okay. December 1985... Came via Moses Basket, right? Oh, yeah, oh, totally. yeah. <laughs> right down the river. Yeah. Floated across. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you, so it well. So you in the suburbs there, or whereabouts were you? Yeah, we moved to a, when we first got here, a kind of shitty out eastern suburb in Perth called Thornley. Right, okay. Which is near Gosnells, if anybody's familiar with that. It's a mm. bit, bit ghetto. And then we moved sort of closer in to Como and then South Perth. And that's where Drew, I went to school with, primary school with Drew and his brother. Mm-hmm. Met him started talking music and then we sort of got into high school we got out of high school met John through just just school like yeah. uh, sort of uh, school circles that hung out together yeah right yeah, yeah so where about you I was at boarding school right yeah. um, I was I think at the time I was living in either Jabiru or Leinster okay but um, what about today uh, uh, well, Leinster's north of Kalgoorlie about 300 k's and Jabiru's the beginning of the Kakadu National yeah well, so we're talking really regional here yeah full is country that because your father is a rock doctor that's right he's a rock doctor yeah yeah there you go so doctor of rock geologist a geologist yeah, yeah. I, I like it but uh, prior to that yeah I was living I was going to school in Kalgoorlie yeah right and prior to that I, li- I was born in Inverell in New South Wales Right, yeah. so all just very kind of regional sort of places. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine, you know, the Probably radio, why the John TV Williamson stuff was like, in the Santa Sack. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like at that age, I can imagine like radio and TV and stuff like that. That's your only lifeline to to music. Yeah, you know? like I can't imagine you seeing many shows coming through your area at all. No, and we're not, we didn't get things like Cartoon Connect, like or well, like Agro's Cartoon Connection. Oh, yeah, 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 we yeah. got we got a you know a economical economical version of all TV down one yeah right Golden West Network I think and I think we had 6kg radio did you get rage yeah we did yeah that's yeah we definitely got that that was that was the only thing that had any music yeah I fucking lived for that yeah right absolutely Mm -hmm. lived for it Mm-hmm. Did you did you if you knew you weren't going to be able to stay up for it, put in a VHS and yep. tape it and then yep. watch it next morning? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> did that a lot. Did did that a lot. With Time on a tradition well. that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were you going to any shows of like anything like that like growing up or was it kind of like too far out from the city to get to stuff no by that time we were well in the city and, and didn't start going to shows till uh, just end of high school last year of high school so we were sort of oh seven. really so you weren't doing anything before that no so oh, we'd sort of go to underage shows but there were never like real proper gigs like we'd, go to, we'd always go on the last year of high school still be underage and just sort of bullshit our way into mm. pubs and and start watching sort of what I consider real, <coughs> real bands, good bands, and yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. that's sort of happening. 
yeah, that's kind of where we met. I met a whole bunch of people from Perth there in the whole scene and sort of started forming friend circles and, you know. Networking. Yeah. Networking, yeah. I guess, yeah, even though we didn't know we were, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right, yeah. It yeah. was quite a big scene when I joined the band. Totally. They'd done the hard legs, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get in oh, just at the end and take all the credit, yeah. Well, yeah, just, just come in and doing some gigs in, like, just right in the city. Not that, you know, not that far. Well, there was the odd one on my birthday, but... <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, on that note, do you remember the first time you ever performed live? So, like, like that tape that I saw once that your mum played, where you were singing... School production, maybe. Ooh, were you a theatre kid? Yeah, sort of. <laughs> Tried to be. Yeah, sure. Don't, don't know if I. If I what, yeah, there was. That, was it primary school? Yeah. What was that year six? Yeah, I think. I think it was year, year six. six. Yeah, there's oh, like wow. a small production thing, and actually Drew's brothers in that. It's pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we think we played the some school event as a band. Right. A couple of, a year later or something. What was your high school band? God, I can't remember, remember the name of it. <laughs> I should know, this is primary school. You had a primary school band? Yeah. yeah and then in, in high school, uh, we had many. We used to have the, the music room. And we'd, we'd make bands and then burn them week in, week out. Like just, <laughs> just meeting different dudes playing. Get together, write a song, couple of songs, and it wouldn't work. So you like just can that meet someone else? They'd come down the music room, start a band, write some stuff. We used to just make and break bands the whole way through school. Brilliant. That's kind of how, in a in a weird way, we cut our teeth a little. The guys yeah. I was playing with, I'm just figuring out how to do different things. And... I guess it would have been probably some performance at like the town hall or something for the, like end of year music lesson sort of right, thing. Yeah. Playing guitar always, or? Nah, playing piano. It was always right, very yeah. nerve-wracking playing, doing that. Yeah, I was always... Shit, yeah. Shit scared of making a mistake. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aside from that, like, I, I had, like, a couple of little jam things I had with some people at school. A friend of mine, Butter, we used to play Wipeout all the time. Oh, and I was on piano yeah. and he was on drums. It wasn't until I was at high school, in year eight, that I was in... A, sort of actual rock bands right. I mean before that I'd been in music sort of productions like 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 you know like I think it was in a brass ensemble a yeah. shit house of trumpet but I was in it for some reason and then you just had you had solid omniture yeah omniture was superb just yeah. superb just, just a perfect omniture can clamp a reed yeah <laughs> can blow a bugle can blow <laughs> yeah so and then I, it was in year eight, we were in this uh, band called the Eastern Goldfield Senior High School Rock Band. And the deal was... That's a solid name. Yeah. It's really catchy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it rolls off the tongue, yeah. And uh, so I just started learning guitar. My brother was in it, he was playing guitar. I think by that point, I still didn't have a guitar, so I was borrowing the guitar of the, the guy who took it. I think the deal was like, we had to learn three songs and then we got to pick a song. So it would be like, I think we did... Like, for example, it was like verse by verse by, some verse oh, by yeah, verse yeah, yeah. by song. I can see clearly now. Mm-hmm. Wind of Change. Right. Classic. And then Pantera Medley. And Ooh. then it was like, Very that was nice. the sort of material way, sort of seamless transitions. Oh. You know? <laughs> and the reason it was a medley, because it was pre-internet and mm. we didn't, 
it was pretty hard to get any music for some of the bands that we wanted to learn so we had to do a lot of it by ear mm. and that was just what we could we thought we, we had got by so ear just bits from each song yeah, yeah just straight into this one and yeah perfect yeah love it um, so that yeah that's sort of the beginnings nice one okay so give us a quick highlight reel of uh, like bands and stuff you were doing before Carnival the, it was kind of like morphs of, of kind of maybe the, the beginnings of Carnival anyway like myself and Drew had a three piece with his brother and we were called Jaredine and we were just this grunge thing Jaredine Jaredine and then I had a band before that in high school called Resin or something dumb like that <laughs> <laughs> and we were a grunge band we played kind of pretty hard stoner sort of stuff but we were terrible and then after that after Jaredine or whatever uh, we started writing stuff and Drew it's kind of it's kind of weird uh, Paul his brother sort of moved into acting and then um, Drew sort of got to a stage I guess an age where he he sort of clocked on as a, as a muso and then that's when he, he sort of came to the fold and we started writing not the first carnival EP because that was a bit that was juvenile yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was just well, a bit whatever you missed a bit where you helped him pick a drum kit when it was I did <laughs> I did help him pick a drum kit but after that then we did Persona so around Persona we sort of that's when we sort of like oh you know Wow, we're, start, we're starting to do something, not knowing what it was. And then yeah. after that, um, Drew and myself saw it and came to the fold of Thermata and realised, oh shit, you know, yeah. we've, we've got something here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but before that, there wasn't a hell of a lot of other bands that really did anything or felt right. They were just yeah. just winging it. Sure. Yeah. Sean, what about you? sort of started writing songs when I was about 13. Okay. And I wanted to be in a brutal heavy band and didn't we all <laughs> yeah so I got straight in there wrote you know ballad um, so, oh okay I got the ballad for the record you know <laughs> so it's got me one ballad and nine heavy songs and then next song another ballad okay so that's the first two, two records two solid ballads two right? records just another 18 heavy tracks <laughs> it's good and then <laughs> so it sort of went that way a bit like I wasn't really writing a lot of heavy stuff and if I did it sucked like I remember this one song called I'm Caning and it was this <laughs> shit house song about riding a motorbike that you remember so sick dude yeah it was sick I'm Caning Caning, caning. <laughs> shit house oh. then after that well when I started going to boarding school I was sort of exposed to a lot more uh, genres I suppose yeah. and uh like all sorts of stuff, a lot of indie stuff as well, and uh, like the Smashing Pumpkins and the mm. grunge stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Radiohead, and yeah, just things like that. Yeah, as well as other heavy stuff as well, like mm. Sepultura, sure, oh yeah, Carcass, and jazz as well. Funnily enough, uh, but that was that was all programs that they had at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a band that I started when I was well, was ninety six called. Genevieve with two other guys, uh, Jamie and Paul, Jamie Wilson, Paul Kennard, that mm-hmm. were my mates at school. My other friend James Landers was briefly in the band before that. But, right. um, yeah, I just basically went up to, it was a media studies project and they needed a bass. And I had a bass, it wasn't really mine, it was bought for me by the school. Right. Because they wanted me to learn it and be the bass player in the senior band who was leaving yeah. that, the year before. So that's why I had it. And that's how I started playing bass and so I just went up to loan my bass and next thing you know I was, we started doing this thing and 
was fun and, and then we said what do you want to do this again let's do it every week and we just did and we just did you know wrote, wrote songs and we really pushed really hard by the ministers teacher Bill Lyon it was great because it was, it was a proper studio like you know eight at studio kind of thing with tapes and we'd get a little cassette and it was always a bit of a hard one who was going to get the cassette at the end of the session <laughs> to listen back through yeah, totally. and it was just every week every week so it was just, and he was really pushed us really hard to do a lot of songwriting so we were, we were doing that and, and and then we got like a he had a he, he did a lot of stuff for ABC he did like reviewing movies and stuff he had a right, yeah. thing called Bill and Gill and um, his friends with some present I think he handed the song to someone I think it was Francis Leach right J, and he spun it on the J's and we, it was announced as a whole school like we got a got played through the PA oh, that's amazing yeah it was pretty funny though because <laughs> <laughs> just bizarre I was oh, going to go this is just surreal it's really weird but uh, it was uh, it was good but that, that band I was I was actually on my way to I was saving up I was supposed to be saving up not doing the best job of it, but saving up to go to England to meet the um, to meet Paul, and that's when I got asked to join Carnival. Right. I said yeah, because I I always wanted to do something with Drew because I heard he was quite musical. A lot of our my friends and a lot of his friends would say you, you guys should overlap in some way, you know, mm. musically, and and that's I got a call one day saying, do you want to play bass for Carnival? I said sure. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. And, Sweet. Yeah. The rest is history. The rest is history, yeah. <laughs> so obviously both of you have different first Carnival Geek experiences. I'm assuming you're at the first one. Well, he's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Founding <laughs> father. Yes. <laughs> yep. When and where? Honestly, honestly, I'm trying to remember. The first gig, it would have been myself, Drew, our drummer at the time was Brett McKenzie, mm-hmm. and the bass player was Andrew Brown. Mm-hmm. And it I saw, was, I saw you guys at a gig on the foreshore. When, what year? Oh, it was like 2000? Yeah, no, it two, been oh, yeah. oh, no, 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 sorry. Not 2000. I joined in 2000. It was like 99, I think. 99. I think I was just out of school and I finished school. Yeah. I honestly can't remember. It would have been 98. You had a beard. Somewhere. You just had a chin beard. Somewhere. Just there, and the rest was all show. You just had this thing there. Yeah. Do you remember that? What do you even call that? <laughs> it's I not don't a beard, it's a not a goatee. Yeah. <laughs> chin block. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't remember. We played, a, there's a couple of venues in Fremantle in Perth, one called Coakley's, and there was one called... White Sands. Well, the White Sands is out in Scarborough. That yeah. would have been one of our very first kind of legit gigs, but mm. before that, we played skate parks and shit mm. like that. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is like a South Perth, for sure, festival, like... Thing. Classic, yeah. So, what was yours? Mine was at the back room at the Grosvenor. Okay. In two thousand, like June, I think, or June. It was. It was like that, and then <clears throat> that was one gig I did with the original drummer, Brett. Brett. And then he left, and then Ray joined, and the next gig was the triple uh, or heavyweights two triple zero EP launch. Sick. Capital. Well, what was it at the time? The Globe? Yeah, yeah. Amplifier. Yeah. Other side. Full scale deflection, as they were back then. Zeke's band, yeah. Yeah. And obviously, heavyweight champ. And I think, was it Longbow Tom? 
or, or tragic delicate were after the headliner sort of yeah uh, right yeah yeah and I I really struggled to hear myself in those early days because I had a really weak sort of rig it was just compared to Drew's mm. I mean I had 200 what f- 15 and he had a uh, 5150 with a quad it's tough yeah it's like he's been playing that 5150 for has he still got it he's, well he still uses those heads yeah he yeah, runs yeah. two of them now and sometimes but he's been playing those things for the best part of 17 years 19 19 years. stuff holy <laughs> shit I've just put that together wow yeah oh and it was your cab he was playing through yeah yeah I'd have, I just busted out Marshall that I bought and he was playing that Crazy. Yeah. You mentioned we were talking earlier about those first couple of tours just before Thermata came yeah, out. Yeah. Like, was that your first time properly over to the East Coast? No, no. The first time was we didn't do Wollongong on the first time. But the ones that we were here, the, 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 are you talking about the Cog ones or like, but like other like we doing like Sydney, Melbourne. Like we coming coming over a bit. We we did did the Soulfly support that was the, oh, fucking the major hell. one where we did the spot and prior to that we did that was it big night out, out on wheels that was the first tour we ever went on was it right. 2001 i was gonna say two all right one, so one i think yeah cool so somewhere in there so that was the first time to, to do those sort of yeah we just released persona yeah yeah and yeah, i just yeah, lost yeah. Totally. i just had my bass stolen Oh, fuck. That's right, we did the Soulfly thing. Fuck, your memory's good, man. I could totally forget about that. Uh, yeah, and the Soulfly thing was a bit later. That was like 02 or 03. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a fucking big... How did that come about? Uh, Arts WA Grant. and um. <laughs> it, it, it was funny because, like, coming from Perth, we at that point, we, I guess, we were known and in, in, the, in the heavy side of Perth or WA music we were just sort of up the front of it so mm. any any international heavy things that came through usually we, we, we got asked to do yeah. a support and we were just so green we, we, we said yes to pretty much everything that came away and we did like <laughs> we did like <laughs> Sepatura Soulfly Devon Townsend a whole bunch of yeah uh, Strapping Young Lads Strapping Young oh, Lads wow. just as examples and it was funny that the one thing I remember about doing those um Shows has been really green, been very excited, yeah. And then having to learn how to handle certain crowds and uh, and certain oh, types of hecklers, yeah, oh. who are either purists of of, of metal or they're mm. purists of the band on the tour. Because at the time we were just we were just something fucking weird and different, and we were we were not as heavy. We were not as heavy. We were melodic, and we were just like in all honesty, maybe we wouldn't have been the best match supporter. No, you know? yeah. no, we weren't. We <laughs> Which weren't. Is fair enough. We just got lumped in. So yeah, I remember the band learning a lot about you know where we fit in and where we don't, and what we are and who we are and who are we going to be musically and stuff because we used to get fucking read by some of these like hard Purists. motherfuckers up the front oh, yeah. like Purists of cheese and dick like, and like yeah. other things <laughs> threatening us and spitting and th- throwing bottles and fucking all sorts but of it, shit. it really did feel like that was a whole crowd you know but it, yeah. it wasn't no but and, and like but they cup. sound the loudest well no one else was yeah. was like uh, what do you say objecting yeah, offering any sort of counter argument to what they were saying, so it just seemed like they were the spokespeople for the whole crowd. <laughs> totally, but they, they, those those sort of tours are the first places to get into capitals, and then what I was saying f- uh, mm. before about the cog thing—that's what got us like kind of ride around yeah, the east coast because yeah, yeah. that was like so much more than the capitals. Though. Yeah, yeah, it was very far. It was a yeah. good time. the big night out on wheels tour that we did. That was 
a little bit that had a little bit of thoroughness in terms of like its way it went. We had yeah. to drive across Australia, but it was I don't know. It was nothing. It was yeah. it was just a throwaway sort of tour. But it was our first tour. It was good fun. Yeah, I remember Kenny's driving kept us alive one night. We is that we because we, we've been back in forth across the Nullarbor a couple of times. Is that where we hit the sheep? Yeah, 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 yeah. You just, you just didn't we hit it. We, we hit a sheep at about three a.m. just outside Dubbo, Broken, Broken Hill. Hill. Yeah, Broken Hill. the sheep. It was it was it was, whole, it was a whole flock of sheep. It was about twenty of them, oh, and no. they just came across because the, the train. Road. Remember the train line? Yeah, maybe the train. And we didn't know about the sheep. Spooked them. Yeah, so there's a train line between us. And we ran. We smashed through this pack of sheep, and one of them shit themselves <laughs> when it died when it died and it sh- it shat into the grill of the radiator or the air conditioning or something air filter the air filter so we had to drive with this smell of sheep shit the whole way to Broken Hill just coming through the car oh, and, and then when we got to clean it off there was bits of sheep's head and nostril and brains Whoa. and eyes and stuff stuck to the front of the car it was fucking hectic <laughs> yeah, that and, officially and, makes you qualified for any heavy band too oh man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys think you're tough <laughs> I mean if we, we had smartphones back then maybe it would have been an album cover for something right oh yeah <laughs> I still remember what the front of the car looked like I can oh, remember God. that we broke the headlight mount and then I was astonished when it was we got to the next gig and Ray pulled out a plastic welder and fixed it like <sighs> can't you do mate right that's oh man <laughs> so yeah like early 2000s like band kicking off that sort of stuff had birds formulated around that point or no birds sort of came about late two, 2004 I started writing some stuff with Adam um, that sat around for a number of months until we sort of got it enough together to, to be something we could approach some guys with to hit a studio and just to record just as yeah. it was like and that actually ended up being Anthony and Adam, who um, Adam Weston's still in the band. Yeah, Anthony's not. But and, and Spikey was. Did he record that? Because he was doing. He, he he was at the time studying, wasn't he? He was studying. He was at the conservatorium doing uh, audio engineering. Yes, I'm not sure if he recorded that. D- the EP. Oh, the EP. I thought he did. Shit, man, maybe he did. I can't remember. Yeah. I remember being in Loop Studios doing something but anyway they were EPs and whatever but our first record day one mm. was 2006 yeah and that's when it just that's when it started being legit when mm. was the first Bird show that would have been that would have been early 2005 and we were under some weird name called the we call ourselves the nouns or something yeah <laughs> right. I think it was yeah was I also had a few of those that, birds ones. was at the Newport Hotel in Fremantle Right. I remember yeah. one at the Mojos, at Mojos, and a UWA open day as well. Yeah. Did they go better than the first carnival shows, you reckon? Well, I'd say so, because I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember the first carnival <laughs> show. But yeah, they did. Well, well, they would have, yeah, because we were fast-forwarding sort of, you know, four or five years into me uh, learning how to perform. Yeah. Um, so I kind of I had something together at that point, you know. Yeah. So we get into, like, 2005, and that chunk between... The Marta coming out and you know recording and making sound awake and that's where things really kind of escalate for the bands like uh, was there any point in that trajectory between those two records where you know it kind of hits you like was there any kind of particular like 
getting to play a certain place or be in a certain venue or play with a certain band or anything like that was just like oh shit this is this is you know happening like more than any other band we've done before for us it was it was I'd say that come together festival was, was oh the one at Luna Park Luna yeah. Park yeah. yeah yeah that was the more the more yeah that was just a, such an eye opener to like oh wow people are really reacting to the band and they're reacting to Thermata so this is after Thermata came out what was yeah. that 2000 Seven? Six? Yeah, seven. And prior to that, it was selling out the Allendale. Yeah. I think as well. Yeah, that so was we, a massive show. We were getting access more and more to the rest of the country, playing more shows, playing better shows, I guess, and, and, and the rooms just started filling and people were really reacting to the band and, you know, we started to notice that, shit, this is, the, the dots are connecting here. We're starting to get a really great fan base outside Perth and it's just sort of snowball from there and then we toured we toured the mud for quite some time man. Yeah, we, yeah, kept, yeah. we kept rolling around because it was just kept getting sort of better and better and, 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 and yeah the shows shows show 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 sizes were increasing yes as well. yeah, yes it, it was, were so it was yes swelling sort of numbers it was really exciting that is that is really and then we got to play with a bunch of the other <laughs> thing too like we got to, got to play with a bunch of other bands from uh, the East Coast, yeah. like the ones we've mentioned that we just didn't have access to before. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and that, and then we realised, wow, we're actually sort of we're 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 becoming part of something now. Yeah. Because we were part of something in Perth, and all we knew was that sort of scene, and we knew it well. But then you get connected with the rest of the country, and you start to share your own ideas of music with other people, and get inspired by the bands, and you know, get really turned on about what the rest of the scene's doing. And yeah. Yeah, it was fucking. It was fucking cool. It was a cool time, man. Mm, yeah. yeah, it was a really good time. Yeah, yeah, it was an awesome time. How are you navigating that as performers? Then you know, like it was one thing to you know just be playing to some mates in in Perth. I can imagine it's something else entirely to you know be facing these new challenges with bigger shows and you know having to really kind of step up as as a live band in particular. I don't. I don't know how much we thought about that like yeah. performance stuff like I was just battling being John Stockman we, 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 we were just getting we were just getting it together as a, as a band I don't think we really thought to put that much emphasis on better how to perform and how to nail things we nah. should be doing this we shouldn't be doing that it was just from the from the moment I joined the band though, I, I really was trying to always I think I was very focused on us having a performance that was worth people's money to come yeah. and see you know it was value for money and it was like you know so it was, it was just more of that and it was always there we just kind of had a thing that we did and whatever but we we never really f- focused too much on like the particulars about how we're supposed to perform whatever but no yeah. and so, sometimes the performance would be at the expense of the execution right yeah. totally yeah and that was sort of that was a learning curve from you know, the way that you, you could get into it as much as you wanted, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't grunge. So you had to hit the notes sometimes. Yeah. Otherwise, it just... <laughs> you had to hit the notes sometimes. Something in the yeah, ball you, like you, yeah. you couldn't, couldn't hit a, you know... Uh, you had like an 85 note accuracy, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was something that I realised, you know, like we were having fun. We were, we're, still, we're just learning. Like, I, I, I think you start to think about your own performance in your own place you think when you see other bands doing it well yeah like, you're that's like, true oh shit and they really people pointed out to you you know to yeah other people yeah. in the band pointed out to you like you know maybe maybe there's a limit to how much alcohol you should have before you go on stage 
Maybe. Just maybe. You know, because, you know, you, you, your show's better when you cap it. You know, yeah. when you have a cap. Yeah. <laughs> Happy medium. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny, I'm, I'm interested in your perspective in particular because, you know, by the end of the decade, you're basically a double agent. You know, when you're not touring with one band, you're touring with the other. When you're not making an album with one band, you're, you're touring the album of the other, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, every year for a couple of years there, you've got at least one thing coming out from one thing or the other and you know there's just this constant stream of recording touring recording touring etc like uh, how's that kind of weighing on you like in terms of like the expectations coming from both like very disparate sides of of your performance and you know as a as a musician and a songwriter etc it's a big ask to do it just with the one band but you've got it with two like relatively in demand constantly touring sort of acts at this I didn't find it too difficult through the whole period. So from basically 2006 to 2014, 14, 15, that was just back to back pretty much. Like like you're saying, it came down to writing periods, recording, studio or touring demands. And it just all had to be figured out as best it could between two different management groups and a whole bunch of stuff. But I don't know, I guess I kind of had the energy for it. I was. I kind of felt like I handled it okay. Balance, yeah. Balance. I kind of had to learn that in the beginning. It was pretty full on, and I, I, I ran the risk a few times of, of, of burnout. Yeah. And that was a bit scary and a bit like, oh shit, gotta watch that. So just had to fudge a few things around. But I never found it that hard. I never found it that difficult. I never felt the pressure. I never felt the expectation. Yeah. I really enjoyed everything about it who I was sharing music with what it was I loved the reward in putting effort into things and just nailing a few things down I actually remember a lot of the time feeling a bit weird being home when I had time off yeah because I was kind of so caught up in the perpetual role of things and the, and the chaos it made sense to me that I remember being at home and just like a like a fart in a bottle just like Jesus yeah. Christ like oh I can't let me out let me out let me out let me spread and it was it was weird so well you would have spent a, that would have been a minority of your time I guess yeah yeah. and now that, and it's very different these days oh, like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very you know uh, aware that the time at home these days is massive like time for myself and my family and yeah. recharge and get to ground again and go back out and, and, and then and then work and then you know play and yeah, yeah it's another set of scales isn't it yeah another yeah. balance absolutely that and these two do you have other stuff that you do outside of carnival musically uh, like I think with music as a musician trying to stay a a musician and not get other jobs or anything else you kind of have to do a lot of things I guess and they all sort of trickle into what can be a you know a living to a degree yeah so I do performance stuff at home, mm. session gigs, a bit of recording, design a pedal, uh, lessons. Yeah. I, I think there's I think there's others, but it's I don't. It's just a lot of cool shit, really. Yeah. All means, yeah. Don't have to work at Maccas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's anything, there's nothing against working at Maccas. Not at all. Yeah. No, I just don't want to go back there. Yeah. <laughs> You've been too close to the grill, you know. You don't want to get burned again. (laughs) For better or for worse, Carnival has garnered that reputation of, you know, doing shit full on and then just fucking off for ages, you know, and then just, 
not making music for long periods of time and you know it's that notorious thing of just like waiting for the next carnival album and things like it, it's kind of become mm. the medic in its own sort of way kind of almost in a in a tool sense in a way mm. you know like uh, yes it is yeah. <laughs> I mean I, I can imagine that must weigh weigh on you guys like it, it like at the very least it would be fucking annoying just to be like well, we're fucking busy, okay? We all have other lives, you know? We've all got shit going on. <laughs> yeah, so, well, sort of. It's, it's, it's funny because it kind of... We, we, we as a band, uh, and maybe in the later stages of our, our place in the world and our career, we, we feel this... We sympathise and feel the same too with people who are fans of this band. Like, we're quite eager to have new music out and have it out more often just because we, we still love... The, the the music this band creates and whatever, yeah. but it's a funny thing to think about though. Maybe oh, if there were if there yeah. wasn't a fan base though, and and it, you, of course we you know they, there is and, and and it's a wonderful part because we can yeah. share that with. Them. But if there wasn't, I wonder if we'd be just quite content to get in to a studio when we're creatively good, write a record, yeah, put that out, figure it out, feel it, and then just fucking disappear for. I don't Four think it would, I, then, I, I don't think it would take any difference in time though. I don't think it's like I don't think it would either. Yeah, I agree. Because yeah. because we've never felt the pressure that we need to get it, and that's not like we don't we don't sympathise and we don't understand that it's painful for the fans as much as it is for us. It's just being very conscious about that being a negative thing for some bands in terms of them not uh, them second guessing themselves. Yeah. So. We've just wanted to write music we believe is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it isn't a cookie cutter of, to you know, to, to something that we've just done. Sure, yeah. You know, in terms of getting it out quicker, mm. <laughs> I've thought about this. I mean, I, we all have, but God, sure. I've paid such close attention to any time where there's been like, sudden shift in our efficiency and our movement like, yeah. like, God, why the fuck did that just why the fuck did that just happen when yeah. the last nine months we, we had nothing you know? yeah five five songs we just you know checked Sound out pre prod yeah. in two weeks what the fuck is the difference what were the factors and I've looked at that it's like there is there is no logic to there's it no, at the end of the no day logic. so that was, there's yeah. nothing you can follow and form trends from and, and predict it I think, I think too in, in our uh, working periods too we do hit points um, in the creative process where we feel it's best to down tools um, and that happens that can happen a number of times through making records and that can be for weeks to months sometimes so, yeah, yeah. you know and that just puts that puts time on things yeah you know? of course yeah, yeah and it's like, like when um, when uh, Kenny was doing birds in when he first started doing it. Yeah, yeah. I I totally sympathised with his need to do something else as well, just because the yeah. pace that Carnival was was able to produce versus his where his uh, like output needs were at and and what he was capable of doing. Yeah, it it can be frustrating for everybody in the band, but nobody's trying to make nobody's trying to just drag their you know t- drag their sort of. Balls. Feet, yeah. okay. balls okay. across the ground. You know, it, <laughs> it's just because of the the five characters that we have. The the, the way we work is just it's kind of an accident in a way that that it works, and none of us know yeah. why it works when it works. But can none of us can champion 
champion the, the process and just and just do it on behalf of everybody else. It yeah. doesn't work like that, and that's the problem: is that none of us can actually make it faster yeah. on our own. Yeah. And it, and it's interesting because John's totally totally right, and 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 these days we're finding worth and merit in just surrendering a little to the collective process as much as we can to allow, allow things to flow and, and be free and it's 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 something that we now feels like we're now getting a handle on I'm, 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 I find it difficult I'm finding it easier these days but I have found it a lot difficult I, I can just jump on the control button so easily yeah and I've learned that when I do that I've actually become a bit of a fucking a blocker um, sometimes so I've had to yeah. sort of let that go a bit you know sure yeah I mean, at this juncture, both of you have been playing music for over half your lives at this point, you know, and you've obviously gone through a lot in terms of, you know, expanding out from where you started in your hometowns and then going over to the East Coast and then touring nationally and then touring internationally, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, like, burdens and responsibilities that come with that. But I'm, I'm curious, after all these years of doing it, do you feel like the motivation to... Uh, create and perform and you know be a part of this world of music is still at, at, at least somewhat similar to the motivations that you had when you first started out making music and first started out endeavoring to perform etc yeah it, it, it feels it feels like it feels like it is it's weird it feels like it's returned again like mm. there, was a, there was a dip not in the middle but maybe at the I don't know, whatever, like a, a couple of years ago where there was a dip just in us, but for me it feels like that's that's returned again and, yeah, you can kind of see it and feel it again. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's, I think it's just, it's it's been sort of echoed to us from the from the, from the audiences yeah. at the shows more than anything, like reaffirmed, I feel. Yeah, 100%. And it's just, it's just a very, uh, I don't know, it's it's a very familiar sort of uh, great thing that we just hadn't really been had access to because we, we weren't touring, we weren't doing we're, we're yeah, that. Yeah, we weren't making yeah. that connection. Yeah. You know, so it's just been re... It's online. Yeah, this, yeah. this tour at the moment has been sick. Mm. The one before was good too. So. Excellent. Yeah. It's all happening. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we will wrap it up here. But before we do that, I ask this of all of my guests. Now it is your turn. I want to know about the best and the worst shows that you have ever played in your entire lives. Feel free to start on either or, so you can have a happy ending or a very tragic ending, depending on which route you tend to go for. The floor is yours. One of of the best ones we've done uh, was a few years ago at the Roundhouse in London. Oh, cool, yeah. Um, It was just, we, we were sort of at the end of the tour, so the band was... You know, firing quite well. It was a killer room, killer crowd. It was just awesome. I, I won't forget that gig. It was kick-ass. Worst? I don't know. We've had a few. Oh, you know what? I still reckon it's, for me, it's, it's, it's the Battle of the Bands in, in Hobart, the finals. Remember? We, we won the WA. We went to Tassie for the... And Ansett just went down the shitter, so we had to catch the train. Oh, train, that's right. Yeah, it was three days. Uh, three a and train half. to Tassie? From yeah, Perth. To, to Melbourne and then flew for... Because the Qantas was the only airline for a while. Holy shit. And it was really interesting to see what happens when there's only one airline. Wow. There <laughs> was no competition, so it was... Yeah, prices were through the roof. And yeah, it was a horrible journey. 
like we had two like beds and there were four of us so we had to rotate it between the coach and yeah and these beds and it was terrible we, had, we spent two and a half days on a train three three days on a train yeah. non-stop oh, oh yeah. little stops getting on and off and doing bullshit but it's fucked yeah. And then, and then we <laughs> and then we got to Melbourne, caught a flight, yep. from Melbourne to Tassie, and then got in at like oh man, two in the morning, two in the morning, and, the and couldn't, the wasn't, couldn't get into <laughs> our com till like eleven. So we walked around with icicles hanging off our Tassie. Balls. First time we've <laughs> ever been there. We were fucking green as just kids just going. Walked around there and it was we like found that bakery. It was like this glowing on the hot. It was like, like this fire. It was glowing. We're like, oh, fuck this. I agree. Cool. That is the worst fucking gig we've ever done. Yeah, yeah. So after all that, it wasn't even fucking worth it. The Did gig itself we sucked. We we lost hard. Like, we, we fucking lost. We, we we like lost proper like in style. I think I broke two straps and a string in the first song. It was a twenty minute set. We caught a three-day train <laughs> to Tasmania to play a 20-minute set. Of absolute lose. shit. And then have to go back on the train. <laughs> the walk of shame. Just, just, yeah. The train of shame. Train wreck. The train of absolute shame. train wreck. <laughs> Literally. God damn. Fucked. Thank you for reminding me of that, John. <laughs> horrible time. Yeah, it was the worst thing I've ever had to go through with this oh, thing. And, and you know, there's been other things, but that that's... That one. That is uh, the uh, absolute I left a mark. Bottom. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine. So what's your best? I can't rem- I can't really tell. I've got high... I've got like... It's kind of like I don't know what the best colour is. I like, I've got favourites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was definitely one on the Sound Awake tour that I, I, I really loved. It might have been like the first or second Metro. Ah, yeah, in Sydney, yeah. Oh, in Melbourne. Uh, oh, the old Metro in Melbourne, yeah, yeah, yeah. just yeah. a particularly good show. That's a fucking hard question. Like, the other thing is I've forgotten some of the good ones. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> they were that good. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you were having such a great time. I love the... You know, there was a really good one in Prague. We've had two good shows in Prague, actually. We have. Mm. I remember those. They were yeah. great. Oh, there's a... Sonosphere, maybe? Oh, that was pretty good. Yeah. That's a huge festival. Mm. I mean, the other night the the roundhouse was great. Oh, in Sydney, yeah. But yeah, there's been there's been some highlights. So there's been somewhere like for me as a good, great gig these days. I don't just go on what I think. I don't just go on what these guys think. I, I go on what all of us think and what our sound guy tells us out the front. What it was like out the front because I think they all they all together form a pretty uh, reliable picture of whether it was good or not yeah yeah 100 mm. yeah i'd have to agree I, uh, the roundhouse in sydney mm. that we just played a few nights ago thinking about that and now thinking about the show i reckon that's the one of the best on the tour so far unreal killer yeah. and and mm. the, the, they've kind of done a, a reno on the roundhouse yeah and yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty sick yeah that's on. Yeah. yeah when when we all get off stage and everyone's like yes i had a i had a i had a great gig you know that that when everybody does that it's, it's awesome it's usually you know, you usually get to four and then, you know, you just it, it's hard to get the fifth one, just just yeah, law yeah. of averages. I guess yeah. it's probably like Steve on the pokies. Yeah. <laughs> that last reel. <laughs> we don't have pokies in WA, so it's a bit of a novelty. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Nothing, just, just spin again. <laughs> But when that happens, it's great. But sometimes, you know, sometimes we'll be like, oh, that was dog shit. And then Willie, our sound guy, we go, guys, that was really awesome. 
all the shit that you thought was going wrong wasn't wasn't translating. Mm. You know, so just show must go on. That's it. That's it. Kenny, you have uh, bird stuff happening later on this year. Yep. So I do. Tour in September? Tour in September and some writing maybe prior to that or... Yeah, probably prior. I'll be in Sydney probably prior to that. Just writing some new stuff. Sweet. And then end of the year, there's some more shows and maybe look at actually recording some stuff. So, But yeah, touring in September. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, and uh, after this, what carnival got planned? Uh, we've got plans to go back. We're going back into studio. Yeah, quite we, soon. Yeah. We recorded three new songs before we left. Yeah, um, just beds for the just the beds for them and stuff. So we're going to go back and look at those and tweak, and then I'll get a chance to do some vocals for those. And then we have another three semi-written. We're going to get in the studio and do them mm-hmm. and kind of repeat the process. And as we figure that out and learn from that as we have just done, learn a bit about the first three, there'll be another three, six. We have another three loosely written to go. So we, we hopefully we're clocking in at nine songs sometime soon enough. Sweet. You know, work our way to a record. And then, you know, once... Well, I mean, you're probably well across of it once the rest of us are across what happens these days with records, because it was a while ago. Mm. We released something. Industry's changed a lot. We'll, yeah. We'll, um, so, yeah, it'll be released in some form yeah. in some amount Shall be. It, some, will, it will be in some Shall platform be. in some medium wonderful well until then Kenny John thank you both so much for your time today really really appreciate it pleasure man no worries I'm David James Young and all my friends in Barbados.